Yo, what's up, everybody? I am Thomas Dopeziola. I am here with Marty O'Neill, Jurassic Graphics. What the Graphics. fuck is up? What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Dope as Usual podcast. Whoa, that's never happened. Yeah, we've got to bring that back. Uh, all right. This is a fucking special <laughs> episode. Never um, guys, this is Dope as Usual podcast. We're here to talk about life, drugs, accomplishments, problems, and everything in between. Today, very special guest you guys have been asking since we fucking started episode one. The legendary B-Real is here with us today. How you doing, man? Thanks for having me, bro. It's about time. Yeah, it's about time. I'm excited, yeah, man. Yeah. I like that you brought your own weed, too. Nobody, you, Nobody's I, ever prepared like that. I try to be uh, prepared everywhere. That's, I mean, that's that's me. Literally, I was like, I don't have enough time. Justin, can you please start rolling fucking joints? So I had this little rolling joints. I just, no one's ever brought, the, oh, no, Boo Johnson. He rolls splits, though. So the guy you were talking to originally, Aton, the mm-hmm. one everyone fucks his name up. Yeah. Yes, they fuck your name up, Aton. We know this. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's our in-house resident joint roller. So, like, he's the one, Every you know, time. before we do the podcast, and this we do it five days a week, um, he'll roll up to about 16 to 20 joints every day, like right before the podcast, because we're, we're all smoking like four five each. And then yeah. if we got a guest, we have their lot and stuff like that. So he's the one that puts in every day, every day. Well, we don't do weekends. We do Monday through Friday. So. <laughs> Still, shout out to him. Designated we, we, we're rolling our own on the weekends. But yeah, Aton nice. rolls our, our podcast joints over there. He's our in-house roller. That's He's not the champ, though. We got we got an in-house champ. Who's the champ? His name is Pedro, right? Pedro. He's, he, he also does like um, photography and video work for, for Be Real TV and all that stuff. But he's sort of, uh, you know, they wear different hats and whatnot. But Pedro, you know, when we used to... Um, do these in-house rolling competitions. Pedro was the champ, and him and Aton are always in competition on who rolls the best. I know Aton this, rolls some pretty good fucking joints. Th- yeah, though. this is rolled by Aton right here. This All right, that looks like a damn pre roll, bro. So that's good. Shout out to you. That shit looks perfect. Yeah, we call this a, a, a soft six right here, but the soft six. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you guys is the fantasy factory for weed out there. You know, um, yeah, it's like the university when they, you know, when they first, you know, like I was telling you, I, I've been doing the 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 live streaming, broadcasting, whatever, for about twelve years now, right? And when everybody came to, you know, work with us in the beginning, you know, there was a couple of us that were, you know, certified smokers for a long time, like myself and uh, my boy Jay Turner, rest in peace, and a few others that that are still around you know that we've been smoking a long time so people coming into our circle had to build up tolerance (laughs) to actually be around and uh, it's funny because now everybody that that works in our building no one's a non-smoker they're all pretty much beast like when it comes to smoking (laughs) and uh you know just because i just kept it's the job putting weed on the table roll it (laughs) Exactly. Roll it. It's like a prerequisite. Roll it. What do you do? It roll it. It's not bad. I mean, yeah. when he had his assistant, go. She smoked. No, she gonna mind if I box the fucking room. I don't. I just feel bad. I know because yeah. you had to think about when you were a kid and you're smoking. Oh my god, I smoked a whole blunt to myself today. Holy shit! And now you're like, when you hear an adult say that, and I passed out. I hit the weed twice. I'm like, I yeah, know. fuck. Like you, especially from being yeah. from the East Coast. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, it's a trip, man. It is a trip. It, you know, when you see the seniors. That, that come to, uh, you know, the dispensary, you know, because I have the Dr. Green Thumb dispensaries and whatnot. And and on days, I'll go in and uh, just be around, 
do the handshakes with people and, you know, making sure people are happy and whatnot. And uh, I'll see seniors come in and they're fucking, you know, buying their weed. And it's like something you never thought before. Yeah. You know, like, because they're the people you thought were like, oh, fuck the weed. You know, you shouldn't be smoking it and blah, blah, blah. But shit, you see a whole lot of seniors going up there buying strong fucking weed too. Not, not some bullshit that, you know, that you would think that, that because of some of the prescription drugs that they take, you know, that um, they wouldn't even be in there, but that's why they're in there. They don't want to take those prescription drugs and they want to take this shit as an alternative. And so they, they take the strongest shit. From from some of the concentrates, edibles, and even like indica, you know, dominant flower. It's like, it's amazing to see that because when you look at a senior, you're like, oh, yeah, they can't hang. That's where I want to be when I'm old. They so. can fucking hang. You know what I'm saying? It's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. Where's your where uh, your shops at? Um, we have um, we have six right now. There's, so there's fucking six. There's I thought six. there was three. No, there's six. There's um, Shit. <laughs> there's Sac- Sacramento, San Francisco. Cathedral City, Los Angeles, uh, Silmar, which is about to reopen. We had a couple of issues down there that we had to shut down temporarily, but that's about to come back online in the next few weeks or so. And uh, the newest one, which is in San Diego. And we're about to uh, start opening up outside of California. Oh, wow. Along with some some other California locations. We're like, you know, popping them up. Yeah. That's such a end goal there's so much room for opportunity <laughs> yeah. like we've been talking about in cities like buffalo and places where it's about to roll out oh yeah east coast like this i've seen it happen in orange county over the past couple of years how the whole game has changed and i'm just like man i want to get in on this shit because i already know what's going to happen the whole oh yeah for those cities that are all based around alcohol right now it's just gonna they're gonna realize over the next couple of years and all these old people are gonna die off you know that don't that hate that are against that hate this. It, yeah. that's, that's not wrong <laughs> <laughs> Couple of years, I'm looking about 15 years from now what it could look like for Buffalo. It could bring back the whole fucking city. Oh yeah, and there are smokers out there. There's a there's a cannabis culture everywhere, everywhere. in the United States. Any, any exactly. city, anywhere you go, it's just some of it is stomped out a little bit that they can't really speak up because law enforcement, you know, stomps down on their on their fucking neck. But there'll be a day where they'll be as free as we are here in California and you know, Colorado and Nevada and all that shit, but it takes time, you know, um, you, it's, it's really convincing the conservative and, and the religious minded voter and thinker. Cause they're, they're the ones that actually hold full legalization back because, you know, still like behind the times and backwards thinking. We were just talking about this recently. Yeah. And, just brought this up. Yeah. And, and, and once politicians can convince those voters that, hey, this is this is right. And, you know, economically, your city, your state, your county can benefit from this. And we can create um, programs from this that will help the community. Um, that's that, mm-hmm. when you can convince them of that. Yeah. Um, that that's when things will change in terms of you know, federal, federal mm-hmm. laws and all that shit and how it's different from one state to another that that has legalization legislation and all that shit. But we'll see it. We'll yeah. see the change for sure. Yeah. I try so, not, I try to travel to any state that's not legal. 
I just feel, I feel targeted if, almost. If you don't have to, you oh, know what I'm saying? Because what's there? Nothing. But bad nothing times. <laughs> yeah, nothing I want. Is it, it still a nightmarish headache as an established owner? Like, I, in my mind, I imagine, like, man, that's something you got to dedicate your life to. It's going to be, like, well, they're got to always be fucking with you. As in any business, man, you know, there's the great parts and then there's the not so great shit. And, you know, you have to deal with both of them accordingly and, and just keep your mind straight and not let the 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 shit that will frustrate you and cause distress um yes. get to you you know because it's it's really you think about where we were 20 years ago with as it related to cannabis legislation and where we are now i mean we didn't have shit you could still go to you know jail for a, 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 a yeah. nice amount of time <laughs> Because of cannabis, these places like that still and sure. still like that, and we're fortunate enough fortunate enough to be in a place that that is uh, you know a little bit forward thinking, mm-hmm. and and uh, have evolved and realized that there's great things you can do with this, and it's not the drug that they've tried to to build the propaganda upon and say, well, this is like cocaine and heroin and you know all that shit. We know that it's not, and the key. I think right now, and the fact that we got it like this is because other people that don't smoke, that they've never been smokers, finally got it, that this shit is helpful, you know, medicinally, economically, and it's not the drug that they painted it as, you know, when they were doing the anti-propaganda. Of course not. Now, now, I mean, just go out. I mean, California's different. You go down and see see your billboards. You know, you go down the freeway and see your billboards, and it's even five years ago. I didn't think it would be this fast. Yeah. So it's happening. It, yeah, it's happening, you know. And, you know, look, there's always going to be people that are fucking elated about it. Like, oh, this is fucking great. And there's going to be people that are like, man, fuck that. I liked it better this way. Um, But you can't have it both ways. It's got to be one or the other. And for me, I'd rather have it legal so that I know that my, my, my homies and my family and myself and just anybody... It's not going to go to jail for fucking cannabis. I mean, that's fucking ridiculous. And the fact that now, you know, we could create le- legitimate businesses and create more jobs and create bigger revenue streams for, you know, for, for fucking our country when you think about it. Yes. If this was legalized federally, nationally, across the board, the money that cannabis could make this Amazon. country is crazy. Right. Amazon numbers. Yeah, Amazon numbers. Easily. It's probably the, more. It's the number one cash crop and it, it always has been and it's still to this day. Whether it's black market or you know, white market as they call it, or whatever the fuck market. We know this. And so I, I think it's just how you deliver the messaging to the people that might be reluctant to put cannabis as, you know, something legal out there. It's the messaging and, and showing the other things that, that can be done with it. It's good. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, just some have focused on the money as opposed to showing the other things that yeah. we can do that's good, unfortunately. A hundred percent. Because I see you said the money is what's going to make these people change. Right. Because that's what the fuck they, get, they care about. Because yep. I've seen 500 videos of kids having seizures, CBD oil, they stop. And right. that didn't convince anybody. Right. The that, money is what's going to convince people. Yeah. Like the fact that you, you had that type of footage out there showing that these kids with epilepsy um taking you know the full spectrum um 
as as uh, as their you know as opposed to something over the counter or whatever the doctors are going to prescribe in terms yeah. of prescription pills and shit like that. It it, it showed how it it took down those seizures to a minimum to, to zero to zero. And the fact that they didn't make that a bigger story, that's like crazy. And that's weapon. Yeah. That's, that goes to show you it's about the money. It's not Mm -hmm. what good can be done from it because here's the thing, right? It's, 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 it's the same thing as there's no money in it, you know, in a cure for cancer. There's no money in it. There's initial, there's today money, but after today money and you've sold everybody the cure, You've lost everything else after yeah. that, and they don't ever want to lose that. So they're not trying to cure anybody. So anything that's so anything that's trying to cure somebody or that could be beneficial in this way, they're not trying to make make that kind of no. light of it. But if you show the type of money this fucking makes for any corporation mm-hmm. that they could invest in, pff, all about it. Yep, that's why things are changing. <laughs> yeah. That's, it's sad to say. It's sad to say. But you know, I know. He knows. Yeah, because the exactly corporate money's right. coming in cannabis in um, 23. Yeah. They're already lined up now, but they they have to wait till 23. Really? Yeah. So Why, why, why is that? I believe it was something to do with the legislation, <laughs> at least here in California. Gotcha. You know, when it became legal, there was a certain point that they, they had to it was keeping corporate businesses out of, out of cannabis so that they couldn't run a monopoly it's marlboro or walmart or some shit right exactly what's gonna happen and it it gives time for you know independent companies to build their brand and get a head start fuck about that at all basically they're giving you a head start before the tidal wave comes and washes your ass out and whoever built the best structure and foundation that can survive this tidal wave that's Mm -hmm. coming then you could do business and you'll probably be doing all right. But everybody else, they're going to fucking have to sell their licenses, sell their retail, sell this, that. When you think about it, this is what's being done now. It's, it's, it's not coming. It's being done now. Because when you think about the taxation that we deal with here in California, it's unfucking heard of. Oh, my friend's from Pittsburgh. I told him the taxes. He goes, what the fuck did you say? Exactly. Like, it's, yeah, it's, by eighth. It's, the, it's, the, it's the highest taxed industry in California practically if not it, it probably is, it is yeah. and how the fuck is that <laughs> when did that happen <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> listen they 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 left us up and running as an essential business so you think about that right the kind of money they make from cannabis that yo we cannot shut this down this is the shit that's keeping our fucking county our city our mm-hmm. You know, state delivery rolling. trucks were running every day, early mm-hmm. pandemic in Orange County. And That's we don't need damn. people losing their shit. Yes. We don't want to lose their down. money and lose their shit. Yes. <laughs> Dude, I, I mean, it just goes to show that it's all only about money. It doesn't matter That's about all it's ever been about. It's, it's, it's unfucking real for me to see to it happen. Yeah. You know, as a kid, you're getting hiding your 10 sack running away and. To seeing these fools make billions of dollars off of it is oh yeah unreal. And tell me if you agree. I feel like you said the tidal wave's coming. I think that these companies, what happened to the boutique grower guys? What happened to all those little companies? Two thousand fourteen, fifteen, bought up. Thank you. I said it. They're they're going. Hey, who's doing good? No, keep the name. But we just own you now. It's like when Pepsi starts yeah. buying everything. Yeah, that's exactly the the mentality. Is is let me. 
get this guy's IP, get his knowledge. Let me make him work for me. It used to be his. Now it's ours. ours. We're going to keep him on the payroll, though, yeah. because we don't know what he knows on how to keep this running. Mm -hmm. We can just invest in it and make it bigger, but we're going to give him a smaller piece. Yep, but it's more money he's ever made in his life, so he's happy. Yes, and, and you know, to somebody Shark who ain't Day. never had shit, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a great yeah. deal for like them. The deal they want in their whole life. You know, but then when they look back, you know, and they've been working for this company for like 10 years, and they realize, fuck, I helped build this, and I get peanuts. Yep. In comparison, it's like a shitty record deal. But that's the choice you made. You allowed that choice, yeah, to to happen to be in front of you, and you signed off on it. And that's you know, people got to know their their shit, so that they don't sign their life away for, for peanuts. You know what I mean? Because it's IP they didn't have till you gave it to them. There's a reason they're paying you so much money, right? Because you're the fucking man. Your you knowledge. Know, you're the guy. That's it, why. You know, and and they're, they they don't necessarily want to do business with the kind of cultivators that know business these guys know too much fuck though we can't mm -hmm. we can't run it on them we can't uh there's, there's no, no wiggle room here mm -hmm. you know they're not going to give more than this because they know mm -hmm. so let's just move on and they'll find someone Some other one that you know is is talented but less business savvy and just take advantage of that that person sounds like the music industry shit. We yeah, talk about. it, it is. Just it, like that's it. exactly what it is. You know, it's it's the same in any of these industries. It's that same mentality. If you don't know what the fuck you're doing, you're fucked. You're fucked. If you got an idea, they might fuck with you for a time. Um, or they might just let you do your thing and be like, you know what, Pfft, we're gonna try this over here because mm -hmm. you know he's gonna be a problem. He knows too much. When you know too much, you're a problem, obviously. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's, and that's reality. That is truly. Mm. Um, so I just want to switch it up a little bit. I, uh, I'm, when I was, I always plan these videos for, for each guest and I think about what do I want to ask? What do I, and then I think if I was a super big Cypress Hill fan or if I was a super big Be Real fan, what would I ask if I had the opportunity? So I got a couple and I kind of want to, um, Get into some background because even I don't know. Gotcha. Where were you raised? Here in Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. I, what part? Well, you know, I moved around a lot as a kid, but, um, as, you know, originally it was East LA. Oh, no. Broke sure. around that area. And, uh, but we moved around a lot. So I eventually ended up on the Lower East Side towards Southgate, Maywood, Bell area, oh, okay. Huntington Park. And that's where I met Send Dog and them in, in uh, Southgate. But oh, I was no in shit. that general area. I went from being in East L.A., Montebello, Monterey Park around there over to around Southgate and all that. And uh, so, yeah, I was I was pretty much an East Side kid, you know, for a long time. And, uh, you know, when I met Send Dog, that's when I got into the music deep. That was that was my next question. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was I was into the to the to the b boy shit, the popping yeah. aspect of hip hop nice. and all that stuff. You know, we were all fans of hip hop before before I was a hip hop fan. Though I was listening to a bunch of different shit. Like Growing up on the east side, uh, you know, it's it's like uh, grow, listening to oldies like the doo wop, the shit from the fifties, sixties, like, like Anthony that. and shit like right, that. all yeah. this right, and uh, you know, so that I got from my older brothers and older sisters, right? And the shit that I would listen to that my mother was 
that my mother was listening to, she would be listening to like class, what we consider classic rock now, like the Beatles what and shit that? like oh, this. Oh, that. Yeah. Like, uh, like, what would that be called? Uh, I'm asking the right yeah. person, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, how yeah, dare you? I know, I'm sorry. Um, it's called classic rock. Yeah, it's classic rock too. You know, it's, <sighs> it's, it's classic, classic rock. Classic, classic. Because when I say classic rock, I'm like uh, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd. Well, that's classic like that. rock too. That 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 would be considered classic rock. Like the now next too. generation. That's of the, it, right? the second generation yeah. of it, I would say. Right. Okay. So you know, moms listen to the Beatles and all that type of shit, along with Good all shit. the salsa music and and you know, like all the Spanish shit. And my father, he liked the doo wop, the old shit, you know, stuff in the fifties and 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 shit like that. So I grew up listening to a lot of stuff, but mainly I was listening to a lot of, you know, rock and metal. Shit. Yeah, yeah, no and, shit. Yeah, and then uh, nice. when I moved over to uh, Southgate, and I started hanging in with hanging with these cats over there, I, I started listening to hip hop. We were listening to K Day, fifteen eighty K Day, and you would hear the first drops of hip hop coming through that AM station. This was before FM was playing any any uh, hip hop out here in in Cali, and you know Run DMC caught my ear because their shit. You know, one of the first things I heard was, um, what was it, um, Sucker MCs or Here We Go, one of those two. And then eventually I, Rock Box or Kings of Rock, something like that along them lines. And Run DMC sort of reeled me into hip hop from there because I stopped listening to rock and metal after oh, hearing Run hooked. DMC. I was fucking hooked. And then that's what eventually got me into the popping and, and breaking it of the hip hop culture. Cause I wasn't into, you know, getting on the mic yet or any of that stuff that came later, but yeah, that shit initially got me, but that was, you know, I was hanging with these dudes who introduced me to Mellow Man Ace, which was Send Dog's brother. Mellow Man Ace, he was also a B-boy, you know, he was into break dancing and shit like that. And that's how we knew Julio G as well. And uh, they were making the transition from popping and breaking onto you know, getting on the mic and getting on the turntables. Julio nice. was getting on the turntables. Sen and Sen and uh, Mello were now getting on the microphone. And I was writing poems then, but I d wasn't writing raps. I didn't know how to do that shit. And Mello sort of crossed me over on to writing poetry into rap shit. And that's how I got from, you know, rocking with the popping and, and, and the b-boy and shit into now on the mic it was wow. them you know bringing me over into that shit i saw what they were doing i said fuck it i'm gonna do what they were doing what what age they 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 were older than me they're older than me by a few years so they were probably 18 and, and 19 or 18 and 20 something like this and so you're in high school still. so i'm like 15 16 years oh, old shit. at this point because i've been that much longer that it popped off though right yeah no it was yeah i mean i was a, always the young buck in the circle yeah i was always trying to hang with the older kids do doing bad shit so <laughs> same you know, here man <laughs> um yeah um yeah it, it was uh it, it was quite a time though the ride like learning you know, the culture and, and living the culture of hip hop at the time, you know, we thought we were all about it. And when we looked at it, we actually were, you know, we, we were living all those steps up to when we decided that, Hey, this is our, this is our, 
path right here. It's authenticity. Like you weren't trying to be like the rappers. You just were like them. Yeah. Just to, you were, that was happening in your day. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to, I told, uh, I have my manufacturer do all my push tree stuff. They also do a lot of your homie Wonder Bread stuff. Wonder Bread. Yeah. That's my right. boy. Yeah. So you, oh, they do. You do your packaging. You're talking about Evan. Yeah. 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 Oh, so that's what I'm talking about. Uh, the, the manager there, one of the uh, printing managers, he watches our show and we mentioned that you're going to be on. And he came up to me. He's like, make sure you write this down and ask him. Just say it. I go, oh, shit. He goes, ask him, does he remember Southgate Liberty Middle School? Oh, yeah. Okay. He's Absolutely. All, he's all, I was a little kid that always played basketball with my yeah. homies. Yeah. So, and then I remember, you know, Be Real and everybody hanging out. He's like, just, just, just ask yeah. him. So shout out to Raul. He wanted me to ask that from the Absolutely. Like, all stuff, actually. That's absolutely correct. Um, <laughs> nice. So, so Cypress Hill is derived from the street um send dog lived on which was cypress avenue and southgate we got the hill from from this movie called wild style there oh, was a the breakdancing one right yeah. um there was a rapper named ram lz and in one song he shouts out he shout outs a place called cypress hill and we're like oh shit that's what we should call ourselves we're cypress sav let's just throw the hill down and, and we were big fans of ram lz so we thought fuck yeah that's the move and so that's where the fucking cypress hill came from but as cypress avenue um and Southgate, all you know a lot of the kids knew each other especially the ones who like to play sports so when it was football season blocks would challenge other blocks hey let's go down to Southgate park and run a game you know what i mean um and Sometimes we as as the Cypress block would be playing like two blocks at the same fucking time. They we were sought out like in the neighborhood. Fucking fun. They always wanted to take our heads off, but we always hammered them. Tackle football in the street? No, fucking tackle football on in the park. Like oh, in the park. No, talking about on the street. No, no helmets, nothing. Just going for it, right? And so, uh, basketball season. You know, they, they wouldn't allow us to be at Cypress High, um, Southgate High School playing, playing on the courts because, you know, some of us weren't students there and they just did not allow that. So we had to take it down. We had to sneak into fucking Liberty Middle School, <laughs> Liberty Middle School, jump the fences there because they didn't really have security there. So and they knew all the neighborhood kids went and ran games down there. So we fucking ran games down there, you know, and we would ball it the fuck up now these aren't like um you know the the 10 foot rims or whatever so we're dunking on each other yeah (laughs) so we're dunking on each other like we're pro styling it and so that made the game actually really fun i mean yeah we would we would run down to southgate high now and then like on the weekends and run games with motherfuckers but a lot of times we'd be over there at the middle school running the slam dunk games because yeah, none, yeah. none of so us had the real hops. You so. always feel cool as shit when you're above the rim <laughs> coming down. Yeah, out there, yeah none of us <laughs> had the real hops, so we couldn't, you know what I mean? That's cool. <laughs> I would do the same shit. Yeah, it was, those were fun times, though, man, you know, because we'd, we'd be playing fucking game after game after game there. And, you know, you, you ran the games until someone beat you. Oh and no! I never played like that. Yeah, no, oh, we. No, that's, that's how it goes. That's how we well, ran. You're it. a basketball player. I've yeah. never done it. like No, that's that how hard. we ran that's it. Crazy. Yeah. yeah, our squad used to run games. I mean, um, um, uh, T Funk from Funk Dubious was on the squad with us because we knew him before Funk Dubious was even a group, and so you know he pl- he was a point guard for Southgate High School when he went to school, 
and uh so he was on our squad and we had this, yeah well he was one of us so <laughs> he had skills we used to run motherfuckers but sometimes we got ran too though you know that's the nature of it that's can't beat can't win them all no but yeah we used to run all the time no one liked guardian send dog fucking big well yeah he's just a rough house and they didn't oh, like really yeah and they didn't like when he guarded them because you know we there's no referees there you know, yeah. <laughs> you got to be sturdy, and said dog would put it on motherfuckers. Oh, I've many elbows and shit across the teeth. Yeah, he didn't. Oh, yeah. No one liked playing against said dog. Like if him, him and I were ever on separate teams, man, I hated playing against him like that because he's a rough house player. Uh-huh. That's how I learned how to play. Like watching him rough house motherfuckers. I said, okay, that's like shag. Oh man, yeah. Um, well, that's basically where I was leading into. You started doing Cypress Hill for real around yeah. 16. Uh, I would say for me, it was about uh, probably 18. Oh, really? Yeah, because so, I, I was gang banging for a time like heavy, you know. Oh, at uh, 15 ish? Yeah, like in between 15 and, and yeah, 17, 18, something like that. I, I would say. F- Before you yeah, were but, into hip hop, you were gang banging? Well, so simultaneous, I feel it was right? kind of simultaneous, right? I, you know, I was in the to, to the to the popping and breaking, got into the rapping, and for a while, like I lost touch with these guys, and I was just straight up on the street, gang banging with. No <laughs> you know, shit, it's a straight up gang banging. Yeah, I was uh, from a from a blood gang. Um, eighty nine, L A. Eighty Street Family Swan. Um, and so that's. That's who I was running with. While they were like still working on the music, they took the hobby into something a little bit more serious. Where I was in it when it was we were just a hobby, you know. What we weren't making demos, we were just sort of, you know, living hip hop as a fan and appreciating the shit. But I went off and you know I started slanging and I'm doing all this other shit. So weed and shit. Well, crack weed. Oh, okay. So this is like all the, all, 1985 then. 80, 85, 86. So, I'm, so that was heavy back then. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, and I was young doing this shit. So, you know, they're they're like uh, getting deeper into the music while I'm getting deeper into the gang shit. And they kept trying to bring me back because they knew I, I had something with writing. My writing was pretty good, but, you know, my delivery wasn't that great, but my writing was good. So they were looking at trying to look out for me, like, let's get them off the street. We'll just have them come write for us. And, all, you know, this this type of shit right so and you're the youngest one and too. i'm the youngest one so they kept coming back to get me and i think it took them like three four times before yeah. i was like you know what fuck it i'll try it because i was i was like wrapped in it for you real, know for i was real. really wrapped in it because you know i i kept telling them i don't want to do this rap shit i ain't gonna get paid off this shit you crazy you know indoctrinated mm-hmm. right like straight up um so why are you jumping in gangs when you have this? Is it was your family in that involved in this? Well, yeah, to a degree, but on a way different side. They're not not on this on on where I went and started banging with bloods and stuff like that. Totally different side. If you could relate what I'm saying, you know, yeah, um, that's because I'm saying a Mexican blood. It was in yes, the 80s? it was very hard for the me. Fuck? It was very fo- hard for me to to. You know, to fight people all the time, man. That's what I'm hearing. And I had to prove myself. You know what I'm saying? But um, I did what I had to do. And, you know, 
I was there. And, uh, you know, fortunately, I had the homies in Send Dog, Mugs, and Mellow. And there was other homies from Southgate that that always had my back, like childhood homies and shit like that. But those three guys, they were like, let's go get Lou. Let's try to get him writing because we already know what he's doing over there. That shit ain't leading him nowhere. I didn't see it. I was just, you know, earning whatever stripes I was earning and, and, you know, living that fucking life. And I went to it. It wasn't like it, it was like uh, that I didn't have no choice. I fucking went to it. You know what I'm saying? Um, Because that my family throughout has been connected with this or that at some point. So it just called naturally to me. And, uh, you know, I was living it. And somehow they convinced me to come to the studio and write some shit for Mello on his first album, which was River Cubanos and I think a song called Tacapella. And when I did those, I was in the studio at Delicious Vinyl with those guys, you know, um, a lot of the time when they were making Mello's first album. So I started seeing, you know, like Tone Loke coming through. I started seeing Young MC coming through and some of the other folks that were signed to to delicious vinyl and then other folks that were in the industry that were, you know, you know, (laughs) movers and shakers coming through delicious vinyl. And I'm like right there, like, Oh shit. So, you know, at at that point I start like feeling like, man, I kind of like being in the studio around this shit. And that's when I stopped wanting to be on the, the street corner less. You know what I mean? And uh, then I made it and then I made a choice. I was like, you know what? It's this or that. I can't bring this into this. So I told my close circle of homies that, hey, I'm going off to do this. Straight up. We cool. And they were like, go do that shit. And uh, that was that. And nice, you know, been doing it ever since. And, And it was the chance that those three dudes took on me to write these two fucking songs. Because had that not happened, there's no Cypress Hill ever. What a small little... It was a window. Little, you know, yeah, it was a small opportunity. Because yeah. every time they asked, they care less, man. Mm-hmm. Oh. They're like, come on, this motherfucker. Just yeah. this. Every fucking time. Yeah. And they just kept going and kept... They were, that's great. It's yeah, persistent. They were persistent because I, I turned them down like at least three to four times. And Damn. my mother had paid them one time to just snatch me up in a van and fucking get me oh, out of the hood. You were like doing this. bad, bro. I was doing bad. You were doing some bad shit then. They listen, knew you listen my mother was like player. on some different shit. Damn. You know, she used to slang different kind of packs. Like, on, yeah, you know, weed and other shit. Like she was. Oh, when you were younger? Yeah, even. Yeah, pretty much. So she had money. You were around this your whole life. I was around it my were, whole life. Uh, you know. And were your so, brothers and sisters in this shit too? Uh, they probably knew about it. I don't know if they were in it, but you know, are you the youngest? One of the youngest. Okay. So, you know, my mom, she had, she had money. So she, you know, she was like trying to bribe the homies into like, get him, out, get of him out of there. And you know, they would, they didn't want to fuck around because they knew the motherfuckers I was hanging with at that time. They see some funky shit. They're blasting first. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so they were like, well, we got to. Can't kidnap him with we killers we around gotta, him. <laughs> he got to choose this shit. We can't just pull him out. We'll get killed, you know. And uh, but fortunately, they were able to to 
convince me like you know what do you got to lose man just try this shit if you don't like it fuck it you can go back to the street and i was like you know what you're right fuck it let me let me try it i've been stubborn for for this whole time i was being an asshole about it you know like man fuck off with that shit but they they hung in there with me and i felt like you know all right fuck it if they if they if they felt this heavy about taking a chance on me i'm gonna try it yeah and then after after that, I chose up and I said, I'm not going to make these guys look bad and bring this bullshit over here. So I'm going to leave this behind and just fully one million percent commit to this shit right here. To all music. So you're 18 years old. Yeah. Everybody convinces you that you have it. You start Cypress Hill. What do you guys do? You're just sitting around going, hey, let's make an album. Because back then you can't just go, hey, post that on our Instagram, man. Well, you know, for a while it was it was working with Mello and then trying to figure out what to do, you know, because Sendog was with Mello for a while and and me and Muggs were working on shit, trying to figure it out. And then uh, as things happen, um, Mello lets go of Sendog as his hype man and whatever. And so now Sendog's got more time to try to develop this thing with me, him and Muggs. And we start working on demos. And uh, it took a minute before we got we got some shit that we actually liked or loved. Rather, we liked the first couple of, you know, things that we did. But it wasn't like that. Would we buy this? Right. Think if you're not yourself, would I actively go, hey, this is time. Yes. Would I fuck I th- with this? That's how I think of when I design everything I do. Right. Exactly the question I asked myself. And and if 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 you can't answer that, or the question is now, and fuck it, <laughs> yeah. start over, motherfucker. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And and you know we had that point, and I think every band or or group or artist does. You know, like where you're like listen back and be like, yeah, you know what, this is cool, but it's not that shit. That's like what Muggs's response was when it was it was cool. But it wasn't what it was going to take to get it over. Like, you know, hey, yeah. what do you think of this? Ah, it's cool, but it ain't that shit. And, you know, n- putting egos aside, you have to have that mentality, right? So we were always like, if it, if it ain't, if it doesn't move you, pff, keep pushing, you know? Mm-hmm. You could be creative in, in different ways and, and, and grab something else out of something that you thought would work but didn't, you know? And so... Yes. So the first demos that happened, they were cool. I wasn't using my my voice that you would eventually hear on the first album. I was using this voice here. And the rap style was cool. The words were cool, but the voice wasn't cutting through. None of that shit. And I remember Muggs had to go to, um, he went to New York to start working on some of the shit. He wanted to absorb the flavor. He wanted to go back home and absorb the flavor and and get inspired by being out there on the east coast the mecca you know what i'm saying and uh when he he got to the airport the cats that were picking him up were bringing the car around and he lost sight of the bag that all his floppy disks were in that he would use for the um sb1200 that he was using and someone snatched the bag so the the year of work we had done in terms of the music was all gone oh it would mean that he had to go back and resample and reprogram everything. So we had to start from fucking scratch. 
So somebody out there has the original Cyber Simulator? Whether they know it or not, Whoa. they have the original demos before I flip my voice. Oh, shit. Right? And Mug still has like a couple of um, cassette tapes with with some of those original songs and beats, but what we lost was dope as fuck. Let me just say that off top. It, it was dope as fuck, but it wasn't fucking with anything that we eventually made on that first album. Like, you know, some artists will come and say, oh man, I wish we had that one because that one was the... Nah, it made Muggs work harder, dig deeper. He actually now had more experience on putting together tracks because he had spent that fucking year doing these ones mm -hmm. and getting to know the, the SB1200 as, as he's going. Um, it gave him more experience to create that second run of demos, which eventually became the album you know what i mean so it, it was like a blessing in disguise yeah, exactly. that shit happening you wow. know what i mean exactly i love that yeah no none of us looked down on it we were just like fuck it let's just all right fuck we're in the moment it's like the world yeah. is over but then you look back like god damn that was a blessing i know he was stressed yeah. when when he realized that he was probably pissed the fuck off because he got oh, got a yeah. he got a pretty ill temper so i know he <laughs> he was fucking hot but in the end, you know, Sen and I were just like, whatever, let's just fucking make some new shit, whatever. Or if you want to recreate this shit, whatever, we let's go. Because by that time, we had a momentum on a momentum on how you write songs. We had an idea and a momentum, right? Like the idea of verse, chorus, break, verse, chorus, or, you know, verse, chorus, verse out you know we didn't we didn't want to do any one thing but we knew that this is how you put together songs and you're learning as you're going along and we're learning as we're going along because there's no school for this shit yes that's literally at someone's house or yeah. studio yeah Counting bars. learning 16, how eight. to make yeah. albums someone had to teach a rapper how to write a song because before a rapper would just come and write a bunch of words and there was no chorus there was no catchy part the just a rap on a beat and you you know you have to have structure if you don't have that someone has to teach it to you and if you never learn it you're fucked but if you could learn it as you're going along you see examples of what other motherfuckers are doing and you implement that in your writing if you're the one doing the writing and you learn how to write songs um some become great at it some not so much but you know um if there was a fucking songwriting school you would <laughs> you would see how many more talented writers there are than we see today. Gotcha. Because there's some bad motherfuckers out there. They just, you know, you got to find them. And there's really no school for it still. I mean, there. I, I would imagine there are places that that give you the game now. But, like, unless you're searching that out, it's it's just, you know. No, it, I understand. It, it's, it's, it's sort of lost in translation. You know, yeah, this more. I know Marty gets this way more than I do because Marty actually is a musician. So, I know you understand that way more than I do. Yeah, I'm not not a musician, but I've definitely taught myself to count bars and write and structure right. songs and go into the studio and shit for sure. Right, because unless you go to school for that, you don't know that shit as a rapper, right? Unless you went to a, a school of performing arts or you took some sort of music class to know measures and bars and all this shit. Um, yeah, there's a formula. It's definitely not just, oh, you're really good rhyming. Right. It doesn't matter if it doesn't fucking work. 
Oh yeah. And yeah, beyond that, it's rhyme combinations and like you know how you then like how do you structure it from there? Like I was telling him, I used to carry around sticky pads and write down all these little thoughts on these sticky pads and then just look at them all and kind of start arranging them and piecing them together and shit. Yeah, that's thoughts just come about randomly. Yeah, <laughs> I mean you know that's that's how it is, but it's cool because people now have so much in front of them to see, you know how it's done. Yeah, and with just YouTube alone. Yeah. You like, know, I mean, just it, that side alone. With technology, it made fans become artists much quicker, you know, than a person that, you know, was a fan of, 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 of this person, had musical abilities, but never sought it out because they can't, they can't see themselves being big like the person that they idolize and stuff like that. Those days are over. Right. It's like I could totally be like this motherfucker if someone just notices me. Yeah. And that's a gray the gray tr- area. It's it, not so black it, and white. It, yeah. yeah. It's easy it, to blow up, but it's harder to stay relevant now. I right. Think if you're starting. Right. Yeah. Cause it's Very like, true. you oh, can I blow up. about that guy. You that can, three days ago. You can blow up, yep. but you got to figure out how you stay relevant throughout time if you want to have the long run. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Uh, you can't, you cannot write a trend anymore. And that's no. one thing it you will die. There's been. Pro- very few people that have had their run like you and become such an entrepreneur and just crossed all over the place and looked into the future and the digital media and was ahead of it, looked into weed, like so many different things we could, I mean, touch on with that. You know, we were, yes. we were fortunate to be in the group of, of artists that were constantly campaigning and, and um, being a part of the advocacy and activism of legalization of cannabis. Right. Um, in hip hop, we weren't necessarily the first mentioning it, but we were the first like running up that flag of legalization yeah. and being un- unapologetic for it. And it made other artists look at that and be like, we want to do that too. We're going to do that. Fuck that. We're, Cause we're about that same shit like red and meth. And then eventually, you know, and Snoop and, in the rest, right? They all thought the same thing and were like, fuck yeah, they're do- we're going to run that shit too. Fuck that. And it made it more okay. Yes. You know, it, 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 it less taboo. Um, Hey, fuck Snoop's talking about it. Red and Matt's talking about it. Dre's yeah. talking about it. These Cypress dudes are talking about shit. Why? Fuck that. I'm doing it too. And it's weird how it's it, like a silly thing for them. Like Snoop, right. oh, weed is funny. Like, Martha Stewart, but it's you know, always been like that. What it is, is 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 it made it okay, and it made people want to do the homework. Like, why is everybody talking yeah. about weed? Why is this yeah. like Jimmy Kimmel? Yeah, why? Uh, yeah, Conan Jimmy Kimmel. Joints yeah, show. yeah, totally. It, you know, it made yeah. people more um, intrigued about it and want to learn more. Like, why is this a thing now? And then it, it rallied people to our side beside that. But behind that type of shit right there, you know, like because people that didn't necessarily smoke, but maybe they had family members that smoked or maybe they had family members that had some sort of ailment that this shit could help. They instantly related and changed their fucking outlook. And maybe they don't smoke. Maybe they tried smoking one time, but it's not for them or they had a bad experience. So Mm -hmm. don't stay. So So they stay away from it. But they still support it because they know the benefits from it you know, how it helps people in the medicinal realm. And, you know, whether they give a fuck about the economic part or not, they care about the human side of it. You know, those folks that, that you won over like, well, shit, if this helps with this and that, why isn't, 
Why isn't it legal? And then it rallied corruption. And and it rallied those folks to come in with the folks that were like already in the know and get it passed in in certain states and stuff like that. You guys were doing like through hip hop and shit. Yeah. So, you know, um, it was it was just basically like the each one teach one mentality. Those that don't know, put them in the know and see what they do. Yeah. Are they going to put up or shut up? And and to, to people's credit. They fucking put up, you know, everywhere. You know, people were tired of going to jail for cannabis or their loved ones going to jail for fucking weed. And, you know, and then some understood the value of what it could be if we were able to have this legal or recreational or medicinal sales on it. I mean, through the roof, right? Like we were talking about earlier, it could fix an entire state. Right. And so, you know, people that recognize that, they're always going to push for it and, low key you got these politicians that will will push against it but you know unbeknownst to everybody in the fucking world they're invested in it there's like high level republicans invested in the cannabis industry right now that gave up their post (laughs) you know what i mean to to come invest in the fucking cannabis industry and they're pulling other you know um politicians in with their money because they got the fucking big money. They, they yeah. got the, the, the you know, hedge funds and the corporate funding and stuff behind them. I mean, they're all going to fucking, walk, you know, pat each other's backs and, you know, um, wet each other's beaks. So, you know, low key, yes, they're doing this shit. When they can do it high key, believe me, you'll see it. Yeah. And that's coming in 23, like we were saying before. But, you know, that's how... That's how powerful this industry is, that it would make an, a Republican um, change their mind like that, you know, like <laughs> hop hop off the job he was doing in the Senate or Congress or whatever and come right into this industry and invest and just start raking in dough. I mean, that's powerful. Yes. Well, like we said, money. Money. That's all that matters. Money changes yeah. your whole fucking ethics. True that. That ain't <laughs> no lie. Belief system. Yeah. <laughs> um, that is no lie. Before I get too off topic, what was your guys' first show? When you, Sorry, back to what we were saying. What was the first show you guys ever did that you went up and you guys are, all right, this is an actual show, guys? Um, First show. Do you remember it, that You know moment? what? It, it, yeah. I mean, we had done several, like, showcases. And showcases it, means like in front of a, a yeah in front of like so if if you it. wanted to get signed to a company like or, or like whether it's a publishing company or agency or management firm or a record company you would sometimes do these showcases and you know that was set up by whoever your manager was at the time and usually that wasn't going to stay your manager that's just a person like you know helping you get from step A to B right. And uh, so we would do a a number of showcases and stuff like that. But um, once we got signed to Sony and Rough House Music. Oh, no shit. um, Based off the music, now they wanted us to do promo shows. And we had been rehearsing and we had been doing showcases for a long time. So we were like, you know, well, we were prepared well enough. We were still nervous because we're in New York and we're a West Coast group. But people don't know that we're from the West Coast. They assume we're New Yorkers and whatever. Really? Oh, yeah. 
Because Cypress, well, Cypress Hill is a place in New York. Oh. You know? It's in East New York, I believe. And uh, so people thought we were from there. And we go up and we do this unorthodox style hip-hop show. And we won them, you know? Fortunately, they fucked with us because it was so different. And even though I was still kind of learning how to do my voice live at that point, and I wasn't really sounding close to the record. A lot of them hadn't even known what the record was yet. So this was because this was all saw. But they liked what they saw, the energy from it. So that was like the first show show. Um, but the showcases we had done before, I mean, we had done a few fucking memorable ones. There was one we did at that place, Three Palms off the 10. I don't know what it's called now, but it used to be like a little club over there. And once in a while, they would do... Um, uh, competitions, music competitions, right? Like, so you would get amateur artists coming in and trying to win the grand prize, which was, I don't know, maybe five racks, maybe, right? And so you would have like rappers come, singing groups come, solo artists come and and all competing in front of these judges who worked for KJLH, K Day, and all these radio like a stations. Scouting day, almost. like a, yes, it's like scouting. But you got to pay to be in it. Usually, it's like thousands. Uh, this this one you didn't you didn't have to pay. Oh, if you, got you like just had or some shit. I think it was well, no, it was like a hundred dollar entry fee, yeah. right? This is how you pay the judges. <laughs> Fresh <Nice> shit. <laughs> so we had just written the song "Real Estate," and um, we we're like, "Fuck it, let's do that one." And Muggs brought his 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 uh, SB twelve hundred to the to the place. We didn't have no turntables; it was just that. And so me and Sen were gonna rap while Muggs was just cracking it off on the fucking MP uh, on on the SB twelve hundred. And uh, there was this group there that was in every showcase. They were called what were they called? Was it um, the Idol Kings? They were a Christian rap group. Oh shit! They were tight. They would clean up at every single fucking event. Like you know, they were always the favorites because they were talking about God and they were rapping, and they weren't bad. They were pretty pretty decent rappers. Um, so, but they would always clean it up. And then there was these dudes that were like some new edition wannabes. We called them the Tootsie Rolls because <laughs> you know that's what their costumes look like. And they came in there, and then there was us. You know, we came in there raw. We were unpolished you know they had all performed did their shit and uh we said fuck it we're just gonna go all out fuck them if they don't like us our whole thing was let's just perform in front of these motherfuckers and give them a taste of our brand of shit this is before we even had our you know like our deal deal locked in and so we do real estate and we're in people's faces like we're rapping in the circle going up to people right in their fucking faces rapping the song like mad aggressive <laughs> then Sendog jumps on the middle of the judge's table and he starts rapping his verse and he grabs his fucking you know crotch right there in front of the center judge which was the lady judge <laughs> and he jumps off the table and the table breaks in her lap <laughs> That shit was hilarious. I feel like you guys won. Yeah, and, and we felt like we won. We're like, fuck it. If they they, they could give yeah. it to the Tootsie Rolls, but wow. that was the winning fucking shot right there because that's what everybody remembered. They didn't remember that the Tootsie Rolls won the shit, that they won that little five racks. They remembered that 
these three motherfuckers came and were rude as fuck and broke the table on the judge. <laughs> and and wow. you know that was the that was the attitude that we would carry from there because we were like it felt good to us to not give a fuck, and we carried that Love for that. the rest. You know, um, we weren't that good then yet. <laughs> <laughs> But, 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 but we felt that that was the energy the that lane, we needed. Though. Yeah, that's the lane. Let's just do it 100%. Fuck them if they don't like us. And, you know, boom. A lot of people aren't like that. A lot of people are trying to have a sound that they know people like yeah. or they're trying to go for a look or whatever. I love that. Just like, this is us, bitch. You know, for being hip-hop, yeah. we were very punk rock mm. in the sense that we, we didn't give a fuck. It, you know, we didn't care about people seeing what we look like we're very anti that you know like because at the time everybody was showing their faces and it's not hip-hop to be like that hip-hop's all about look at me and how cool you are and shit yeah no we were like nah don't show us we don't want no one to see what what we look like they could see that when we're playing these fucking songs but right now we're gonna be mysterious back then it was better to be mysterious now i mean there's something to it but it's not the same out of sight out of mind that's what it is now. That's what it is now. Yeah, you can be like, oh, I love this fucking guy. This rapper's so dope. Three weeks later, you go, fuck, I forgot I was listening to that shit for weeks. Yeah. You like, forget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so much information and Absolutely. content coming yeah. at you. Before there was not so many artists coming out, you could you could take a year or two to put out something. But now in the, the thrust of these thousands of artists that fucking come out every week, you know, like, if you don't put something out sooner than later, you get lost in the shuffle and then forgotten in that fucking shuffle, you know? So you got to keep feeding your fucking base, you know? And it, that's, that's kind of fucked up as an artist that you got to do it at that pace. Cause that's not art anymore. It's, not, yeah. it's actually just like, Oh, this is the job I have to get done. Yeah. For my like, art. Oh fuck. If I, if I don't put something out in a minute, I'm gonna fall the fuck off. They're going to forget yeah. about me. And, and that's how, it's built right now, and it's unfortunate because in hip hop, that's hip hop. That's the only shit that that it boggles my mind that um, it's not as supportive as other genres as as like the artists. Let's just say you know after they've had a ten or fifteen year run, right? They look at all, they're done. They they were done on their third record, you know. Whereas in country, they're never done. It oh, don't matter no, what Nelson's eighty. It don't matter how many records this motherfucker put out. I'm fucking with him. <laughs> I am going the support, yeah. for the ride. And you know, with hip hop, it's like, yeah. Well, you know, I you never know, really thought about that. For for one, you know, they were cool at this point, but after that, you know, I sort of, and that's we're the only genre that does that. Unfortunately, I never thought about that. You know, and it's fucked up. But that's the way that the assholes that put out this genre built it so because they didn't have faith that an artist could last that long so it's like in out in out and the the fucked up shit is when they hit a lick and and this artist like puts out a few like albums that are banging they gotta fucking give them more money they're obligated to that and they don't always like that shit they'd always rather have a one-off really because it's cheaper to have the one-off than it is to have to give this motherfucker eight albums. Build a superstar. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, you have to build him up because contractually he's owed that, or she, he or she is owed that, and they got to spend more money. 
You got and, Conor McGregor on your fucking hands and he's taking shit over. Yes. <laughs> and traditionally after, like, let's just say you do hit a fucking heavy run where you got four or five platinum albums. The progression now is that you're going to sell less. But because you've hit all your goals and marks, they owe you X amount of dollars. And they know that no matter how much money they invest in that project, especially in today's time, they're not going to get all that money back. So now they're almost not rooting for you. Yeah, so all, they're almost like, okay, let's just put this shit out onto the next one. Make you look bad. Yeah, and it's, it's, I mean, it's the way they built it, unfortunately, you know. So you got to yeah. make your run how you want it after that, mm-hmm. you know, and somehow stay relevant. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's unfortunately the game. But, you know, hey, there's motherfuckers that are still having a great run after all these years. Mm-hmm. You know, they did their homework and realized this is how we stay in the game. Because mm-hmm. expansion, yeah, I mean, yeah. diversity. You were like on the shit, like be real TV and all that. Like, you- I mean, I remember that when I was just out of high school on yeah. YouTube. I think. Yeah, I, you know, I started that because I was doing radio for a time, and I realized that the platform of broadcast is powerful. It's you know just as powerful as the music that we make that they play on there. But what happens if they're not fucking playing you? You don't have a platform. Now you do. I mean, there's so many now. Yeah. You could find one, Socials. boom, and as long as you're pushing it and guiding people to it, they'll they'll come to it. They'll find it. it. May not be what you want or what you expect, but it can happen. Were you before MySpace with that or was it right around then? Like No, uh, no, no. no. MySpace it, it had been early. out before yeah. Real TV came oh, out. Okay. Yeah, well, in my before. mind it was like so early like hiphopgame.com it, it was before World it was I believe 209 is when I started it and you know I started it through Stickam which was um which was a um a streaming company that was uh, the the rival to Ustream which they were the bigger yeah. they were the bigger company. They had more yeah more user base their bandwidth was crazy their technology was way much more advanced right so we were there and they 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 sort of always highlighted our live streams we'd get like 150 to 250,000 stream um views within like an hour's time and back then that's fucking unreal and that was unreal back then it, you know whenever they give you the feature page so we'd be racking maybe a quarter of a million views at the end of of our broadcast and stuff like that. So we built be real TV on that and, and eventually, you know, brought it to our own website, which is be real TV. Hey, what's up guys. We just want to say special shout out to one of our sponsors. This is liquid IV. So for me personally, I've been using liquid IV for years. If you know me personally, you know, I have a box of this in my medicine cabinet at all times. Personally, I use this whenever I feel kind of sick. Whenever I know I'm feeling like, oh, I got a scratchy throat, let me get hydrated. I use these. Rosie uses these. We swear by them. They have a bunch of flavors, lemon, lime, strawberry, watermelon. Strawberry is my go-to. That's the one I have a box of at home. And no, it's not just when you don't feel good. This is for athletes. This is the ultimate hydration pack. Everybody taking long hikes, you this should be your best friend, and you probably already buy this. Also, Liquid IV hydrates you two to three times faster than just drinking water alone. So like I said, it's not better than water. It just makes your water better. So right now, you can walk into your local Walmart and buy a pack of it. Awesome. Or you can help support the podcast and click the link in the description or click the link in the pinned comments. That's liquidiv.com and using code YOLA is 25% off. But if you don't use the link and you just go to liquidiv.com at checkout, use code YOLA, that's 25% off. It just, yeah, Christmas is coming, man. Gift all your athletic ass friends.
Or, and I'm not saying this as a form of advertisement, but when I have been hung over, and I'm not saying go get drunk and use liquid IV to help. I'm not saying that. I am just saying it. It helps. So before you get out of here, go to www.liquidiv.com. Like I said, it'll be linked in the description and the pinned comments. Use code YOLA. That's YOLA at checkout is 25% off. Hey, what's up, guys? We just want to say a special shout out to one of our sponsors. This is Manscaped. As always, go to www.manscaped.com forward slash YOLA, and that's 20% off plus free shipping. The male grooming line for Manscaped this year has been awesome. If you guys have been watching our podcast for a while, it's been months. You've seen the upgrades. You've seen the upgrades from the lawnmower from the 3.0 to the 4.0. And now introducing the body wash for Manscaped and the 2-in-1 conditioner and shampoo. So it's not just stuff for your balls anymore, right? It's for your other head. <laughs> <laughs> I can peripherally see you guys go, oh, oh, shit. Here we go. Here we go. As we always say, two million customers can't be wrong and four million balls can't be wrong. It's the holiday season. It's time to be thankful. Christmas is coming up. All right. The performance package. It has everything in there. It has the boxers, the ball toner and deodorant, which is hilarious. It comes with the weed whacker, the lawnmower 4.0 and the travel kit. And as you already know, the lawnmower, the new and improved lawnmower is skin safe wireless rechargeable it's waterproof it has a light on it no excuse whatsoever to not be not gross so if you guys want to take advantage of this discount it's 20 percent off plus free shipping all you gotta do is go to manscape.com forward slash yola like i said 20 percent off plus free shipping you can't beat that as always guys thank you so much for supporting the brands that support us back to the episode and uh it, but it started it started from radio because i realized you know whatever we wanted to to um you know, promote whether it was events because I was throwing Dr. Green Thumb events back in 98, 97. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Um, I threw a birthday for the character, right? <laughs> really? Where was that character from? It just, I mean, obviously I know what it means, but well, you just started fucking around with it? You know, in, in writing the song, you know, we eventually did a video because it became a single. And from that video, I created the character and then... From the character in the video, I created my, the alter ego from it. So I started throwing events under Dr. Green Thumb. And at the House of Blues, when it was was in the height of its shit. You're throwing weed events at the House of Blues? Sort of. <laughs> you know, and... and uh, Damn, that's fucking awesome. It, it, was, it was more music, though. Like, you know, it was a weed event, but it, I made sure that I had enough artists there hitting the stage that it felt like a music event gotcha. right so the you know house of blues loved it because i would pack this motherfucker with people and and uh they were all a drinking crowd so they love that shit but you know i threw i threw dr green thumb birthday because i felt like dr green thumb the character needed a <laughs> birthday that. couldn't be the yeah. same as mine right i love that <laughs> so, man <laughs> Branded. And that was like yeah. the first event I threw for, for Dr. Green Thumb. It was a fucking fake birthday. And, you know, <laughs> I love that. who knew that it would eventually become my, my cannabis brand? In stores. Yeah. Actual like, stores. Yeah. It's kind of like Push I mean, Trees, how like it was a meme. He's like, you know. It's like, yeah, it was a joke. Like it was just a little joke. made up from a song. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it it was crazy because we were we were working on the album and that 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 was on and Mugs left the beat up overnight. You know, he told us, "Hey, leave this up for B," because I was getting in the studio in the mornings, ten ten in the morning, nine ten in the morning, and uh, I heard that shit. Boom! I was on it immediately, and you know, I, me and my partner, who is my partner in Doctor Green Thumbs now, which is Kenji. You know, we were. Wait, you know Kenji that long? Oh yeah, we've known Kenji and I have been 
partners for you know over 25 years what the fuck yeah i knew kenji when he was like 21 or some shit like no that. maybe 19 way, or something like that he's one of the few people one of the people i met at be real tv the studio yeah i just fucking love that dude oh no yeah he's a cool motherfucker man. yeah you know we had a couple things in common i mean he was the young buck coming in through one of the homies one of our mutual homies and and him and i got got tight you know because i knew he was like a connoisseur smoker not just a smoker and so him and I sort of learned the grow game, but he had more time to do it. So, you know, we'd grow in my garage. We grew some of our first OG cuts in my garage and in, in, uh, in like, I think it was late 97, something like that. And uh, that's where we started like the whole OG Kush thing because it wasn't called that when we got it. We started calling it that. Oh, shit and uh stop hold on stop yeah. did you just say you coined the term OG could yeah i mean you can ask um you could ask josh d damn who was the oh first josh d is so fucking cool i met him at the, the airport yeah, coolest motherfucker ever Fire. he was the one that gave he was the one that gave someone in our that circle cut? that cut and, and that's the cut you were growing yeah that one's still around that today. one's still around today it's one of my favorite fucking shirts yeah it's all that ocean grown shit that's not no, it just meant original Kush, OG Kush. So that's, that's you guys coined the term. Thank you for yeah, that. Yeah, because it was called something different coming from Florida. It came from Florida to um, Josh D and his circle. And a couple of our guys were part of that circle. And we, you know, we had this other shit called Kush Bubba. So we were like, you know what? Let's call this OG Kush. Thank you. Thank you for fucking That's doing real that shit. shit. Anyone who Thank says different, tripping. <laughs> Damn, dude. Put me shit. on a fucking lie detector. I'll show you. Dude, you, that shit helped me pay my rent for fucking years. <laughs> Didn't it? Kid, hey, man, that shit used to go <laughs> for eight did. eight racks a pack. That was 2004-ish. <laughs> yeah. Crazy, yeah, right? Racks. I remember that. Then everybody started growing it, and it had then to come down. came out. Yeah. And then they were like, these are 85. I'm like, oh, well, the OGs aren't as good? Is that what you're telling me? Shit, the OGs were better. They were always better. But it was oh. just the color that made people go, oh. Oh yeah, yeah, twenty bucks for a gram. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, like if someone in, in in that time at the height, well, or the beginning of the height of that weed of that OG Kush, if someone said they wanted the purple over that, they didn't know what the fuck they were they doing. They weren't real smokers. They weren't real smokers. They they were going by the look of that. This is purple. It must be better. It must be stronger. But they weren't really trusting the nose. You know what I mean, and and really looking, looking at those silver, those silver fucking trichomes popping off that shit, and then the gas, in comparison to whatever that purple shit was. Yes, it was purple. It's good. Then it's cool. Yeah, it's got kind of a funky smell, but it wasn't what this shit was. That's what the shit that burned my nose. Oh man, yeah, we were yeah, snobs with that shit for a long time, man. If someone was bringing anything other than OG, we're like, fuck out of here with that, man. Here, wait, no, we're gonna smoke our shit. So you guys basically coined OG Kush with Kenji. You started growing in your spot before Dr. Green Thumb was everything. Oh, yeah. Through your own birthday party for your character. Yeah, like. What a story. So <laughs> that's amazing. We I, I wrote Dr. Green Thumb as a tribute to our squad that was like, you know, learning the grow game at that time, which was him and, and one of our other homeboys <laughs> named Cap and and uh, Cap? Cap Capper. Oh, okay. We call him Cap for short, um, and and a few other dudes, you know, and uh, you know, so it was like a, a tribute song to the squad, and I was growing too. I, I'd grow, 
I'd be growing in my backyard. I'd grow like fucking sometimes in the realm of 50 to 80 plants back there. I don't know how. I don't know how no one ratted me out or I didn't get caught because you could smell that shit down the block. Um, 80 plants in in the neighborhood? Everybody respected the shit out of that neighborhood. They did, (laughs) man. Adam Carolla lived down the street. I didn't even know he was down there. You know, he told me about a year later when I went Stunk. to do Love Live. And he goes, hey, be real. Check this out. I think I live down the street from you. I could smell your house. It's a good Corolla. <laughs> I try. Marty actually works with Adam Corolla. Yeah, he's That's a good hilarious. guy. That's funny. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I went to the man house oh, is shit. what they call it. He, he gave me a tour of the man house. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was the block that, that I reference. In uh, the song Dr. Green Thumb, where I said 20 plants stinking up the whole neighborhood, it was influenced by when we were growing in that particular house that I was living in, living down the street from Adam Carolla's man crib. Bro, I fucking love that you just broke that down. (laughs) First time I ever heard Cypress Hill, I was four. And and I just remember, like, what does he mean I want to get high? I was at Pacheco Pass. Oh, shit. I was in the back seat in a car seat. And my mom and dad are listening. I go, what is it? My dad is in the seat. And I'm like, he loves this. What is this? What do you mean you want to get high? My mom goes, you know how we're going over the bumps? You're getting high and go low? Uh-huh. Yeah, I like this. Yeah. It's the first thing I ever heard. My mom's a huge Cypress fan. So I've been to shows. I think I was 17. I went with her to the 420 shows. You used to do Frisco. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Still got the poster. Some the of the first poster. 420 shows, period. Were they? Yeah. No one was doing 420 shows when we started. Oh, in general. In general, yeah, oh, yeah, shit. yeah. We we and we did them in San Francisco because we figured, you know, in San Francisco, they're sort of a little bit more attuned into the politics of and cannabis. More lenient on smoking. Yes, and a little bit more lenient for sure. Um, we've always had a, a deep connection with, you know, the Bay, um, but we knew in terms of the politics of cannabis and acceptance that they were a little bit more open. So when we decided to do shows on this date now that had been dubbed a cannabis date of 420 we were doing it when there was no shows like no shows yeah people might have celebrated here there low key you know well, you're right that was the first 420 thing i did yeah and and you know we started doing those shows in um san francisco like on a you know yearly basis it became an annual thing and we stopped doing it the year that wiz khalifa came into the market because now he was doing his shit in an arena. Oh, and we're like, you know what? Shit. We don't want to split the market. We don't want people to choose from us to him. We're going to bail out of here. And we're going to take our shit to Denver. Because nobody was rocking 420 shows in Denver yet. So we were sort of the first jumping on that date. And, and creating events from it. And... Uh, the Bay Area was the first one we were doing. We were doing them at the Fillmore and at the, the Fillmore one I went to. Yeah, yeah, and at the the Warfield, there's that spot, and then there was another spot that that we did it at, but mostly we did it at the at the at the Fillmore, and we would take mushrooms before <laughs> we went on stage and just totally trip balls. Oh, no shit! Do the 420 show just. You guys did well, man. You held it together. <laughs> right? Yeah, you held it together for sure. We had our shit together. I've been there two of those, and I didn't. I couldn't be like, yo, those guys are fucked up. Those were some of the best shows. I remember we did two 420 shows in one one day. We did um, 
we did uh we well obviously we did the the show at 4:20 p.m. I would do a night one. Yeah, and then and then we cleared the floor and brought in a whole new whole new audience. Sold it out twice in one shot. And uh man, I got to tell you <laughs> that shit was hard cuz we played a, an hour and 30 minutes both sets. We didn't shortchange nothing. We like mm-hmm. played the hour 30, boom, let the new crowd in, played the hour 30. And oh, man, mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, we were totally <laughs> flying, bro. <laughs> You know, I don't think maybe the first show we didn't do mushrooms. It was for the nighttime show we did them. Like the first, the first half we were just weeded up, but the second show, someone I think it was our boy Trace and Fran, Fran, Franny, DJ Fran Delay Bay, on oh, Instagram. Oh, from Vegas. Yeah, I actually the, got his lighter. I think on that table over there. Yeah, that's that's the yeah. homie. I've known him for like twenty some odd years, and and him and his boy Trace, they used to do radio together, and we met them. Because we were doing radio um, on the same station as them in the Bay. And that's how we met them. So when we'd come to town for the 420 shows, they'd bring huge bags of fucking bomb-ass weed. But they would also bring, like, ounce bags of mushrooms. And so they showed up for the second show. Boom. Popped them. Off we go. (laughs) It was awesome. Damn. (laughs) Some people get stage right. You're remembering your fucking lyrics after that shit. Jesus Christ, two shows. That's what I'm trying to say. Like taking mushrooms and doing the full fucking set is unreal to me. Oh yeah, we used that used to be a regular thing. We, you know, we looked at always hearing about Jimi Hendrix doing acid on stage and the Doors doing peyote and that's what inspired you to do it. Yeah, and the Grateful Dead and all that shit. Fucking classic rock. Oh yeah, I did not know this man. So we were like, you know, we're up on it too. We're gonna do what they did because. It, it made them connect on uh-huh. a different level yeah, and true. we were like we're gonna con- we were all boys already we partied together we did like you know aside from the music shit like we actually partied together we went wilding out and all that shit right so we felt like a lot of our a lot of our idols you know in music went up there and as a unit collectively they did certain things to have an experience together. So awesome, we man. looked at that shit the same day, same way. We're, we did it with acid one and we unit. did it. Yeah, one unit. We did it with acid and we did it with uh, mushrooms. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was interesting. So how long was it from when they rescued you off that fucking block to when you're rocking these arenas and shit? Like how long did that take? Probably about five, five years. Five and you years. got the Sony deal how long after that? Yeah, that that was it was probably about five years. Yeah. Oh, so you because we start working on the first demos and we got turned down by several labels that didn't get it. Were you pitching them? We weren't pitching them. I wasn't. Fuck no. I I didn't even talk in these meetings. You know what I mean? Because I didn't know shit. I was learning how to write the songs. Let alone, you know, this was my first time in any meetings talking about music and like them asking us what what is your music about what does it stand for gotcha. you know all this shit and when you don't know that and you don't have the answers they're looking at you like hmm you're gonna take a lot of work next oh, you know what i'm saying yeah and so you got to sort of if you're gonna meet with majors on the first run you got to have a vision of what your shit is back then anyway so we were lucky enough to have interest from joe the butcher who was in philly 
which was Rough House, they were distributed by Sony, a major. Um, they knew Muggs from 783. So Homeboy knew Muggs's, um potential. And he heard that Muggs was working on some new shit, which was our shit. So he wanted to hear it. And immediately he was like, I fucks with this. Uh, you know, how can how can we sign this? And at first we were, you know, talk, talking to some other folks, you know, our homeboy Funk and Klein, rest in peace, who was at a who was at a record label called Hollywood Basic. They wanted to sign us, too, but they were indecisive. They kept asking for demo after demo. We had given them like a half half an album of demos and they were still like trying to like, well, fuck, are, you know, yeah. is this it? I mean, is do they have the songs? Whereas Joe and his group, Chris Swartz and all those guys, they were like, we want them. Fuck all that. We heard enough from three songs. We want them. Were they already a legendary label at that point? No. They so were, Fuji's, all that, not yet? We, we started kicked it off. Let's we, go. We kicked it off. And uh, then Criss Cross and then the Fuji's. Um, I believe that's that's how it went. Um, wow. And uh, so Send Dog was like, you know what? Fuck that. We're signing with Joe. We've made too many demos for these motherfuckers. If we're going to just keep making demos, I'm going to go back and work at Kodak slanging boxes. Damn. And so me and Muggs were like, well, I guess it's fucking Rough House. Let's go. And, you know, again, he already had, Muggs already had a relationship with Joe, so it made it easy, you know. And um, we went to work from there, and uh, that was, like, at the three-year mark of us working on the first demos into now creating what was the new shit. And so the next two years were us, you know, redoing some of those songs and doing a couple of new ones and sort of honing the shit in and then eventually up to the point where we release. Wow, two years. Yeah. Nice. So it was like a five-year, you know, ordeal from, like, started. That's starting cool they to, gave you that much time to, like, put together your first album or your whole what it was going to be they put out to the world. Well, they didn't know we had been working on it before we even got the fucking deal. You know what I mean? So oh. we came in slightly ready. Love it that. was just more fine-tuning than anything. Yeah, yeah. But once we got the deal, we said, fuck it, we're just going to make some new songs too. Was it the songs that ended up blowing up? Did you already have those, or did those come about because of the stuff they brought to the table? Um, They always let us be creative. We did all our own shit. You know, they just gave us the money to be in the studio longer gotcha. and, nice. and the support and the resources to awesome. make making this album an easier process than what it was wow. to make the demos for it. So in my mind, yeah. all the record deals in the nineties were fucking evil and they were just screwing you over. Well, they, they, they fucked a lot of us over. I mean, you know, we didn't have the best deal, but we didn't have the worst deal either. You know, um, the thing is, is that when your lawyers, um, when they, when they're of the mindset that this, this genre might not last. You might not get the best deal. They're going to fucking be like, well, take what you can right now because yeah. we don't know how long. And yeah. when you got a fuckhead like that, he's not really looking out for you. It's not very you know, motivating so, either. Yeah, so you might be stuck in a Fuck. fucked up deal or, you know, it could be a number of things. And so fortunately, we were, you know, smart enough to be paying attention to people that had you know, been doing this that we were connected to that, you know, we saw the do's and don'ts mm -hmm. and 
the 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 power of good representation as opposed to shitty representation. So we were always constantly looking out for these things. We learned by example yeah. from others that you know so you weren't going in blind. Yeah. So we we weren't going in blind because we would see like how our boys over here were either doing it right or mishandling their shit mm-hmm. by not being on their shit and choosing up with the wrong people, mm-hmm. not guiding them through this Pay thing attention. properly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have a question I ask athlete, actor, doesn't matter. It's anybody that has, you know, a career as a superstar. I guess you would say that. All right. I was trying to find a better (laughs) word, but I couldn't. Thank you. A household name? (laughs) Household name. Anybody that's done that. Do you have that um, moment? I always say it. I always say that. Oh, shit. This is real moment. Do you have that? Because I know if you're four or five years ago selling fucking rocks to people and then now you're like oh i'm at sony shut the fuck up i feel weird yeah and now you're like oh we got signed what the fuck was there a moment in all of this or maybe it's your first show or maybe your first tv appearance is there a moment where you were by yourself you're in your room and you go fucking shit you know um i i think it was more so that when we got asked to do like something like Saturday Night Live, you know what I mean? Like, because other than that, that's you know, what I mean. I was sort of just living it and not really thinking about oh shit, we're, you know, I was just taking it as it as it came for sure, for sure. I, I, as as opposed to absorbing it, letting it all, you and, know. And once you see it, it, yeah, yeah, like your name on a marquee or something like, was that the moment? Like, holy. Shit, yeah that's our name yeah we were just so so busy doing it then gotcha. then recognizing it right um but there was it so i should say there's two right there there's there's that moment when they asked us to to do saturday night live because it's an iconic show we grew up to it and we know that a lot of legendary motherfuckers touched that stage much mm-hmm. like when we did the whiskey that was a place that we we absolutely needed to play the because whiskey go-go yeah place? the whiskey a go-go yeah that was a place we needed to play for our state of mind like in being a real group that with the with the mindset of being around for a long time longevity and, and making music and being in the the setting that our idols were yeah right we had to do that shit and and so Things like that, those th- those things you'll always remember and hold true. But like this, that was like what SNL was, right? Like getting asked to do that, you're now in this elite club. Yep, wow. and and it's forever, right? Um, so it was that, and getting banned from that was even better because that from was, SNL. Yes. What do you mean you got banned from SNL? What happened? Well, because mugs blazed up a joint on stage. On yeah. Oh shit! How do you? I'm surprised you Yo, don't know this. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I never saw that. He said they told us we can't smoke our weed, but you know what? We ain't going out like that. And he fucking lights oh, the joint, shit. and you know, boom. Awesome. Cut the commercial. No, <laughs> they didn't cut it. They no. they kept it playing and they ran it in syndication. <laughs> they still do. And as soon as the camera's off, like you guys can't fucking come back. Well, no, they, it was it was after. Oh, okay. It, it it was well, shit. This is how after it was. You know, there's an after party after every SNL and they invite the artists and, you know, all the staff and, and uh, the writers and some of the performers, entertainers, they go to these after parties and hang out, drink, whatever. And we were back there hanging out, smoking and drinking with them like nothing. And so 
you know, we assumed everybody had a great time. (laughs) And then we got the, the note the very next day. Well, NBC has banned you from blah, 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 from Saturday Night Live, this and that and the other. And, uh, you know, we were like, cool. Fuck it. Because this is, this it's who we are. We didn't get mad about it. It was like, like, we, 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 you know, we had the intention of, of this. You know what I mean? We knew what was at stake because that wasn't something Muggs did without anyone knowing. We knew he was going to do that. Now, where he did it was misplaced, but we knew that this was the ultimate goal was we were going to blaze up on TV that day, one way or another. It was supposed to be at the end. He um, did at the beginning. Yeah, he did it at the beginning. We were, we were gonna, <laughs> <laughs> we we're gonna do like play the song like normal, and towards the end, the very end chorus of the song, we were gonna start disconnecting our turntables and everything, and just start smashing the set, like you know, like they like the Who, like you know, in metal and shit like this, because that's what we were doing on tour. We were totally smashing our fucking set, so we were gonna do this on Saturday Night Live. And then at the end, we were going to fucking stand over the heap and blaze our fucking joints oh, shit. like it was, you know, after sex, Plan. right? <laughs> and But it didn't go like that because Muggs fucking lit the joint first. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so it was what it was. But we got banned because, you know. Either way, you guys were getting banned. Either way, we got banned. and But it added to the legend. So, yeah. you know, we weren't mad at it. We understood it. I still watch Saturday Night Live. I don't of course. Give a fuck. You can't be mad at it. Yeah. Nah, fuck no. It, you know, we're a part of the illustrious fucking band list with Rage Against the Machine, oh. Sade, and a few others, you know, on the life band list. It's fucking <laughs> awesome. There's going to come a time where banning people for weed and discriminating against people for weed is going to be a fucking cancelable thing for these goddamn oh, companies. for sure. Well, they got they had weed sketches since then, you know, oh, big time. Now, you know yeah. what I mean? So I would imagine if, if people made a thing about it maybe they lift the band but we don't give a fuck i mean we did it and if they were to let us get back on who knows maybe we do it right this time yeah they lucked out that first (laughs) they got they lucked out because it was going to be something totally different um but yeah that that's like moments like that and then the other moment that's sort of related to that is when we're putting out our black sunday record you know, before we could rack, walk around anywhere and no one knew who the fuck we were, especially because we hadn't shown our faces on the cover and things like that. But once um, Black Sunday came out and, you know, Insane in the Brain videos popping all over MTV, couldn't go anywhere. We, you know, I remember going to the Montebello Mall the first time in a long time that I hadn't been there <laughs> and fuck. It caused like a wave of motherfuckers just to swoop in on us, and you know the mall security asked us to leave because damn, it's disturbing the it, fucking y- peace. Yeah, <laughs> and we left. I never went back because it was you different. Know, it was, you know, what I mean. So we went from being like anonymous to now everybody knows who the fuck we are. MTV too. Yeah. So that that That's was the that was the other realization. Ultimate my privacy as a private citizen is now gone i gotta embrace this shit and not be caught off guard and get mad because this is what you asked for yep i mean if you if you want to be in this business that's a part of it should pull the slip knot if you didn't want it yeah, pull, put the fucking mask on yeah uh, you know i it goes with the territory and I, and i knew that so i never got bent about it i was like all right well this is what it is 
Fucking adapt. You know what? Be lucky because most people will never experience this shit in their life. Exactly. Right? Just go go with it. That's why I always trip on artists that complain about that shit. It's like, hey, you should be mad if they ain't fucking with you. Yes. As long as people are still bugging you, yeah. you're doing a good job, man. Yeah. Also, probably the most legendary thing ever, though. How did you guys get on the fucking Simpsons? Same thing, you know, with <laughs> with 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 um crazy with me. Saturday Night Live. I think you know they 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 sort of tap into the pulse of culture at the time, and you know, not for nothing, but Cypress Hill, we we tapped in at a time and. You know, was some of the biggest shit in hip hop at its time at our peak, right? Yeah. And um, for sure, for probably sure. some of the biggest hip hop arena shows ever. Oh yeah, right? we 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 sort of changed the game. They don't give us a lot of credit credit in, in you know in terms of the books and media and shit like that. But those that know know. And and uh, with the Simpsons, they keep they're they're on the pulse of. Everything. Oh, they are. I'm saying be so weed centric, right? The Simpsons would let you back, and it's not even. It was like a 2018 video. Yeah, this was a long time yeah. ago when they did this episode, and they run this episode still. You know, and uh, you know, so it, it for us, it was like we were being stamped, like the, the Simpsons in SNL, and being asked to that second that the second Woodstock. I mean, you know, in general, the number two Woodstock. For for me, those three were the stamp right there. You know, that was like, okay, we are this. Yeah. This is is no longer are we this? No, we are official. This. It's official, you know, because they don't ask you if 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 you're not relevant to the fucking culture, they definitely ain't putting you on their shit. It's some they only put things on that are very relevant to the culture at the time. Yes. You know, and uh so it's it's it was a compliment and we were like fuck another thing that that's it's forever another thing on the exactly. checklist you know what in i mean 100 years that episode's still on the simpsons yeah you know so we we, we were always like th- we were thrilled about it like the simpsons yeah. oh hell yeah let's fuck. do yeah. it yeah that's uh, i just remember watching my mom just trip because like i said <laughs> my whole life my mom just got a stack of albums she'd take me to the shows this before I ever did anything we well, I mean I was selling she didn't know I was selling weed, but it's before I did any of the video, any of that shit. So for it to me to hear these stories now, and I know my mom's watching right now. So I to mean, hear this is like shit from the street awesome. corner slanging rocks to doing voiceovers on the Simpsons, Crazy. man. That's <laughs> some shit. I never thought it's I was a bumper sticker, man. What I always wanted to know was in Eminem's heyday where he's coming at the whole world. The only I always thought it was funny. The only rappers he ever just bigged up casually was Be Real was real. <laughs> and, uh, he was doing shit with mugs and shit like how did was, what was that like? Did you have a relationship with him uh, back man, in his heyday? You know, I love that dude. Like just as a rapper, he, you know, like everybody always asks another rapper, what's your top top five, yeah. top three, whatever? And always my top three is KRS one. Eminem and Jay Z. Those are my three mm. favorite rappers, whatever, of of my top ten list, right? Um, for different reasons or whatever. But Eminem's always been somebody I respected from day one, just because he came and flipped the game on its head and in spite of his color, you know, just showed levels 
that no one had ever reached in terms of the skill set of 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 you know writing songs and rapping shit. And I always I, I always respected that about him, and he knew that that I was a fan of his, and and uh, we knew that he was a fan of ours and stuff like that. So we just always were cool with oh, each other, and right. we shared management for a time. So you know there was loosely a relationship there so it's not like you were boys he was just showing respect right you know our 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 managers for some reason at the time would sort of keep distance from both squads so that you know his squad breathed and we breathed and all that stuff and as a manager you've got to sort of juggle and 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 whatnot but for the most part the the interactions that we did have with them and and uh the relationship i have with them always been cool and, and it's always been mutual respect because he knows I respect his get down. He's one of my favorites. And, you know, I've always been a big supporter of, um, M and D 12 and their whole fucking movement. You know what I mean? So, um, he's always reciprocated with showing us love and in places where we did not expect because every shout out that we ever got from, from my dude, I never, expected it it just came hey did you hear fucking eminem just shouted you out right now what mm-hmm. it was just a regular bar just that's, a that's my yeah. motherfucker <laughs> right there <That's laughs> yeah. one of my favorite rappers he's shouting me out all right yeah. my dude and um it, it's it's everything to have that kind of respect from people you fuck with yeah you know what ultimate. i mean yeah. i know we came before him and all that but as as what he's done and who he is and what he means to the game, I fucking respect the fuck out of my dude. And I, I would expect that he appreciates that. Like, I appreciate his love. I mean, you know, he don't have to fucking shout me out. Mm-hmm. He's Eminem. And so, you know, he could shout any fucking buddy in the world out and, you know... <laughs> So I, I always he probably recognizes that yeah. same like true I don't give yeah. a fuck out on stage like you oh yeah share that. yeah I mean we toured with M and Fifty in Exhibit in Europe on um a, this thing called the Anger Management Tour mm-hmm. oh, I remember that. in Europe so we got a chance to you know be on the same stages and you know fellowship you know like that type of shit like you know really you know be a team together rocking this show and making each other look good rather than everybody just going for the head Love trying that. to chop each other down yeah. like i got we got the best show we're gonna knock these We're here for hip-hop yeah and and uh you know so it was a fun time man and and, and we made pretty dope connections on that tour and you know again M has always appreciated us and we've always appreciated him so he's always showing us love and I mean, to get it from one that I consider one of the greatest of all time, you know, that's awesome. Hell yeah. It's your statement. Yeah. Damn, dude. Sorry. Um, I know what time, what time are we at Marty? I know it's been a minute. Okay, cool, cool. Um, before we get out of here, I remember there was a time when I was about 14, 15 and I had hits from the bong just on repeat on a CD when you used to burn CDs. Yeah. It was about three or four out of the 15 songs. And that was enough time for me and my friends to roll a blunt, spark it, argue about who's going to spark it, and then finish it. That was my little routine. And I knew there was enough time. So I appreciate you being here because now that I'm thinking about it, it's like, fuck yeah. It's just, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, one yeah. of those. 
Good shit. And I appreciate you, um, you know, inviting me to the podcast and yeah, invite me to the spot. It's a fucking great spot, bro. Thank you. You got to come back and do the smoke box like we were yeah. talking about. And then uh, come back and do the, the Green Thumb podcast and, and fuck with us down there. Let we all know. love you down there. We've been appreciate waiting. Like, you, when are we going to get this guy on? Let me know, man. Let me yeah, know. No, uh, we got to get you on, bro. We're, we're ready. So Hell yeah. Let me know. We'll make it happen sooner than later. Fuck yeah. Appreciate it. Before you get out of here, where, where can um, everybody find you at, social media-wise? Just be real. Yeah, Instagram, you know, it's just be real, B-R-E-A-L, with the blue check. You know, so this, you know it's real. Yeah, so you know it's real. There's a lot of fake profile happening right now mm-hmm. where they'll duplicate your account and go try to hustle people. It happens all day. In your name, so blue check in there. And, um, you know, the Dr. Green Thumb podcast we do on YouTube Monday through Friday, Catch us there at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Every day? Same same time? Same time, yeah. So it's, you do live stream every day? Live stream every except for weekends. So that means you can hop in the chat, talk to everybody. That's right. Questions yeah, there. it's all about interaction, right? Yeah. So we have we have our, you know, the portion of the show where we're having our conversation. And then in the last, um, you know, the last 45 minutes of the show, we open it up to the fans. And, you know, they either give shout outs, make requests. They do some fucking crazy requests and, and they, you know, or they'll ask questions. Right. But some of the requests, right. I'll give you an example. Right. So we have, I, in broadcasting with a bunch of individuals, right. Sometimes when people are, are, you know, excited, they might talk over each other and, and sort of, jumble all that shit up but you know it's easier for you because it's one-on-one right oh i know but, but I, you know what it. it is to yeah. be in a group setting and everybody's trying to get their point in and not forget their point especially if they're stoners yeah. they, they can't hold it i do it one-on-one they, so i believe I yeah, they can't retain it so they got to say it and it might be over what right so one day i i wanted the guys to hear what this shit sounded like so i said listen um we're gonna do this thing called the moment of chaos and everybody was like fuck you mean a moment of chaos what the fuck is that I said we're all gonna talk at the same time when you hear the explosion that's when we stop right but whatever is on your mind say it randomly right here on the count of three boom we start and everybody it sounds like a room full of a hundred fucking people <laughs> just talking at the same time and then i hit the explosion boom and it stopped and we're like did you hear what that sound like yeah, but it felt good. <laughs> so so people started getting a kick out of that moment and they request that shit all the time. It, was, it wasn't even based off a re- request. It was me trying to teach these guys, hey, let's not talk at the same time. This shit sounds like this. Yeah. And the people got a kick out <laughs> of that. So now game. they fucking request it. How ironic. Yeah. And How then, awesome. Yeah. And, then, and then some people will, will do a moment of ohms, right? Right, the meditation ohms, right? Because remembering that that part um, in the Cheech and Chong movie, I think it's up in smoke, where they're in the car and homeboy smoked the shit, and he's Cheech is freaking out, yeah. and he's like, "Chill out, man! <laughs> yeah. you need to chill out!" Oh, and they, they do the ohm. Yeah. So we, you know, one day it was a heated fucking day, so I did that one. And that became a request. Like, nice. so when, I love when, this. when everybody's Organic off the hook, that just come about. Yeah, it's the craziest shit. Like the, the, the fans key in off of these little things and then they request them. So it's a very interactive show, you know, because Eric Bobo and I, he's one of the co-hosts and he's in the band with Cypress Hill. He's our percussion player. 
um you know we used to do these things um called soldier stories before blogs or vlogs existed we were we were writing about every tour and putting putting oh, it wow. up on our original website which was cypress hill online or something like that back in the day and we would put all of our soldier stories up um you know day-to-day shit that we would encounter on tour just all the off the hook stupid shit so that people could laugh and whatever and then they would make their comments it was interactive shit right so it was important for us to do this platform and do these podcasts and make it interactive so that you know we could stay on that line of always interacting with people because that shit is important as an artist that you know when people feel like you're giving them that time. They feel mm-hmm. more connected to you. So that's what that shit is all about. So those those requests of the moments of chaos Organic and requests. crazy shit. But it you, you'll you'll sure. encounter it when you come to the show. Trust it. Never not happens. <laughs> never not happens. That kind of excited, honestly. Oh, oh man, it sounds tight. Yeah, you'll see. I mean, the, the fucked up requests, but they're funny as fuck. <laughs> you'll love it you gotta come through so every every monday through friday at yeah. two o'clock on youtube yeah monday through friday 2 p.m pacific standard time on youtube seven eastern i mean five eastern um yeah man and we just we go live and and uh is <laughs> anything happens it's awesome <laughs> i love that yeah me too man that sounds great actually word up um, and we smoke heavy. I mean, oh, you would I've, love I've, it. I've watched some. You, I've watched you, some. Yeah, yeah, I see you guys. Every yeah. single every single person smoking their own shit. Oh, yeah. and It's then, just a cloud. And then there's days where they might ask for a, a request of the stunned in glass flips. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Where we're... Uh, our boy Cali Blaze did 30 flips the other day. It was crazy. What do you mean? Like alpha bowl? So, yeah. So we don't put flour in it. We use it with the, with the, with the connect. With the G-Pen connect. 30 at once. So we fucking keep loading the shit and we keep heating it so it's just perpetual so you're just, fucking, so you're just loading it and heating it yeah, loading and heating well if you put enough in there you just have to keep heating it's it it's like a fucking keg stand for yes oh, it, yeah if, no. yes if you put enough you just keep heating yeah. it you don't have to reload it that's and, intense and cali blaze he fucking put in a fuckload the other day and he ended up doing like 35 flips god damn yeah, it's tough. Oh man, now that you said that, people are gonna be like, "You better fucking try to do thirty six." Yeah, yeah, oh, you, you just it. I can feel it already, man. man. Thirty six. Oh, that's the thirty six chamber Wu was talking about. By <laughs> that, that's exactly what it was. Just me throwing up at you guys' studio. Um, so hold on. Before, sorry. Be oh, it's be real and everything with the blue check. Yeah. Before, let me ask you a question. How do you not get your page just taken away all the time? I'm on my 25th page. It's it's crazy you asked that because I remember when you tagged me on that, like me and Tommy on these guys post weed. Well, these guys post weed, and and you don't. How? What's what's crazy is that you know my shit has has been like shadow banned for a while. Like mm-hmm. a, they allow some of my posts to get run. Well, they do it to you too. Yeah, they do it to me too. I don't feel bad and then, and then you know, I, I I recently looked in my violations because you know there's two places to look for violations, no and one will say that you have zero and nothing and blah blah blah. Don't even send you a fucking notification. But then you look in this other section on your account status, right? And it'll show you if someone reported you for 
harassment, bullying, or a violation on on um, if you were selling or or promoting an illicit product like cannabis, right? Because obviously it's not federally legal, so it's still yes, you know. So if you if you reposted something that was like a flyer, let's just say to one of our Dr. Green Thumb event days, and it says, well, you know, come to this event, mm -hmm. the grand prizes are this. And if you mention what the grand prizes are, and those grand prizes are any cannabis products, boom, violation, because you're promoting yeah. that across the board. It's not regional to where cannabis is legal it's you're promoting across the board so you're in violation they've you know they add that as a strike on your account so they don't tell people that and you have to know where to find that shit so that you could see how healthy your account status is because they'll tell you you're on the brink of losing your shit or you're you might possibly lose your shit or your shit is in good standing and it has that. You just have to know where to look for it. And it's I, deep in and, there. It's yes. So and, deep. And, and, and I wondered, you know, because I would get people that hit me up like, yo, how come I can't see your post? You unfollowed me. You fucking did this. I'm like, I don't unfollow motherfuckers unless they're talking some bullshit, right? Hateful, whatever um, type shit, you know. But I wasn't getting any of that. So I'm like, what do you fucking mean? I can't see your posts. Uh, you know, unless I fucking type your page in, it oh, doesn't show up in my feed. I'm like, mm. yeah. so I kept hearing shit like this and some, some posts would fucking go. And my posts that were like, you know, shit related to my shit, they wouldn't necessarily go as much as I knew they should, especially with the, you know, followers I have. Cause they're all organic. I don't buy bots. I don't yeah. do none of that shit. And then, I figured out how to find that 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 one part to show where your account's at, and it was in a different place than where you you know they say to look for your violations and shit like that. And I saw that three fucking accounts had reported me for bullying, right? And it shows you what you said, and it shows you who violated you or who 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 um who reported your account, right? And I saw some shit and. You know, because I was in this group, and I'll make it quick because I know we're, you know, getting close. Because I was in the group with the Prophets of Rage, I would get, you know, emails from motherfuckers calling me communist and this and that and the other. Oh, because of Rage and, Against and, the Machine? And going at me, you know, for for the pro Prophets of Rage, which was derived from Rage Against the Machine. I get all this hate shit from, you know, right, really far right wing motherfuckers that, you know, thought, you know because we were talking shit on Trump, right? So they'd hit me up and say this bullshit to me, and then I'd be like, you know what, fuck off, blah, 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 this, that. They'd take what I wrote to them. That was the bullying. And fucking report me for bullying when they came at me first, and I'm just sort of responding. So they baited me into that shit, and I got reported for three of those, right? And since then, my shit had gotten shadow banned, in, in certain posts and stuff like that. So I realized there's certain shit I cannot post without them fucking 
putting the squash down. Mm -hmm. They do it on Facebook too. I mean, it's it's. Well, I didn't know it was happening to you too. That's yeah. insane that they yeah. do it. It's fucking this dude of all people. They, they do it to That's blue checkers too. Yeah, crazy yeah. man. Well, I don't. I mean, I don't tag companies. I don't show weed. I don't show anything. You know that they just straight up deleted the fucking account out of nowhere. Delete my account. Like, just yeah. I don't get nothing. No violations. I'm just gone. And I, you know, I shake the shit and I'll fucking send them reports. Like, what the fuck <laughs> is this, man? <laughs> Yeah. What the fuck, you there know, because they because they don't communicate nothing to you, and you and there's no response center where that you can call and be like, yeah. "Hey, man, let's talk about my account and these violations," because th this you didn't get the whole conversation. You got what they sent you. How about that they yeah. threatened me and said this, that, and the other? They don't give a fuck about that. You think because they'd have some sort of infrastructure? They don't manage it in a oh, smart way. You they know what's better? I feel though, <laughs> knowing that it's not some guy that I maybe. Didn't hook up when in high school and started to work at Instagram. Goes fuck this guy Thomas man. No, deleted. It's happening to a lot of oh, us. I remember that, that it was happening to Burner for a time. That was personal. And and he went to he went up there and spoke to went somebody to there. And you know, I, it, it, he said that it, he kind of saw some progress in his account. Oh, you know, after he spoke with them up there, but. Oh, they don't care about me. But they don't give a fuck. Hey, trust. They don't no, give they a fuck about me neither. I try to tell you. Like, sign this application. Get the fuck out. They, 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 told me. they pick and choose what they're they're going to allow my shit to blow up with. Oh, they don't want you to make money is what it is. Like anything that can no, be with No, they want business. you to spend money. So if it's something that has something to do with you, they want you to spend money. Spend money how? To, 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 um, to reach out beyond the 10%. They deny me for all of that. Yeah. So they don't even allow me yeah. to do that. So they're because well, you're, cause, about cause you're in violation. It's crazy. I'll show you where that, that Please, part bro, of the I'm account, do account is. We, we, <laughs> my, so one of my co-hosts, E-Zone, right? He's been shadow banned for a long time. A lot of my guys at Be Real TV are shadow banned, right? And he, I was like, let me see your phone, bro. Let me check this out, right? <laughs> this, this fucking guy had like 12 violations. Like he's like fit on the thinnest of lines. <laughs> He, you know, he he had to create a backup account so that he can just start Probably. telling people to go there. And he's saying, you know, he's getting more engagement there now because that page is not shadow banned, right? Yeah. And he knows what not to do now based off of what they flagged him for on this and now seeing where it's actually at. Because if you if you look in the regular part, it shows zero violations yeah. and you're you think your your account is cool. I but just found go, out you could do that. Yeah, but you, you go into this other part where it says account status. That's where you really find out where your I, shit I is. I told fools to fuck off a few times. Yeah. So maybe that's what's going on. Dude, that's exactly what's going like, on. Hey, people people racist trolls trolls are smart enough to know to bait you. I'm just gonna start thumbs up and all the guys that are jerks. I just thumbs up, bro. I love you. Now, now I just fucking so block stupid. them whenever I see a motherfucker that's oh. coming at me with some bullshit because I used to engage them, but now that I know they're baiting us, I don't even do that shit. I just block them straight the fuck up. And if they say something fucked up, I'm reporting them first. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because 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 yeah. realistically, because that you know I was known for that. Like if you said mm -hmm. something crazy or whatever, I would fucking respond. Cause oh, no I shit. love, I love the fucking back and forth shit. I like, you know, all right, you're going to hit me out on somebody. You, you're going to shit on me. I'm a shit back on you heavier. Right. But now knowing that there's fuck faces trolling people like this, you know, and, and they're, they can just edit what they send as a report and not show uh, their part. 
They, you know what I mean? Shit. So, like, if I send you some shit to say, you know what? When I see you, I'm going to fuck you up because you're a piece of shit, right? Okay. And, and then you respond to yeah. me like, I dare you, motherfucker. Fuck you, blah, yeah. blah, blah. I'll meet you someplace. They'll, they'll, they'll screen capture what you said, <laughs> not send oh. any of what they said and be like, he's bullying me. I and love that, it, man. that happened to me like three fucking times, fucking man. Shirts. How so, is this getting over on goddamn Instagram? And Instagram Facebook. is not even in, you know, they don't look it's into so it because they don't just, have the time. They don't have yeah. the staff, even though they're making all that money. And they don't give a fuck. And they don't give a fuck. Weed. They don't give a fuck. Until it's fairly legal. Yeah. Then I'm like, oh, the guy on the commercial? Learn something. He's good. <laughs> <laughs> For real. Yeah, I know. You guys are going to be the fucking poster boys. That's going to be the most twisted irony is when they come knocking. 2023, like, just We're on starting Pepsi the new commercials. weed category on fucking Instagram. You guys mind? Can you? YouTube, it's a new, it's a well, new column on YouTube. Sorry, yeah, guys. right, the it's weed it. 420 section. It's like, like, I don't know if I have the time. <laughs> we'll see, maybe one day. Oh, God. <laughs> All right, well, I know we're just, we're going to sit here for hours and hours, so I'll I'll end it here. Thank you so much for being here, man. Right on, brother. Oh, Thanks yeah. for having Appreciate me, man. Appreciate you so much. Guys, be real on all social medias. Uh, Tuesday, YouTube, that's Dr. Green Thumb Podcast. Thank you so much, man. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. We're Guys, this has been Dope's Usual Podcast. Have a dope ass day. Nice. I'm pretty high. Right on, man. Pretty high, man. That last, that last joint got me.